0: Now, if you would please uh, turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings. It should be 16, not 15. Second, I mean, not 15, not 16. Whatever's in the bulletin's wrong. It's 15. And if you would stand, please, for the reading of Scripture, we will work through the entire chapter, but I will give, uh, I'll read selected verses in the interest of time. And we will begin with verse 8. 2 Kings 15 and verse 8, "...in the thirty-eighth year of Azariah king of Judah, Zechariah the son of Jeroboam reigned over Israel in Samaria six months, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his fathers had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. Then Shalom the son of Jabesh conspired against him and struck and killed him in front of the people." and he reigned in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Zechariah, indeed they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. This was the word of the Lord which he spoke to Jehu, saying, Your son shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. And so it was. Shalom, the son of Jabesh, became king in the 39th year of Uzziah, king of Judah, and he reigned a full month in Samaria. For Menahem the son of Gadi went up from Terza, came to Samaria, and struck Shalem the son of Jabesh in Samaria and killed him, and he reigned in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Shalom and the conspiracy which he led, indeed they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. Then from Terza Menahem attacked Tipsah, all who were there in its territory. Because they did not surrender, therefore he attacked it. All the women there who were with child, he ripped open. In the thirty-ninth year of Azariah, king of Judah, Menahem, the son of Gadi, became king over Israel and reigned ten years in Samaria. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart all his days from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. Pul, king of Assyria, came against the land... And Menahem gave pull a thousand talents of silver that his hand might be with him to strengthen the kingdom under his control. And Menahem exacted the money from Israel, from all the very wealthy, from each man fifty shekels of silver, to give to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria turned back and did not stay there in the land. Now verse 23, In the fiftieth year of Azariah king of Judah, Pekiah, the son of Menahem, became king over Israel in Samaria and reigned two years, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. Then Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, an officer of his, conspired against him and killed him in Samaria, in the citadel of the king's house, along with Argov and Aria, and with him were fifty men of Gilead. He killed him and reigned in his place. Now verse 27, In the 52nd year of Azariah king of Judah, Pekah the son of Ramaliah became king over Israel in Samaria and reigned twenty years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat who had made Israel sin. In the days of Pekah king of Israel, Tiglath-Pileser king of Assyria came and took Ajahn, Abel, Beth, Macha, Genoa, Kedesh, Hazor, Gilead, and Galilee, all the land of Naphtali, and he carried them captive to Assyria. Then Hosea, the son of Elah, led a conspiracy against Pekah, the son of Ramali and struck and killed him. So he reigned in his place in the twentieth year of Jotham, the son of Uzziah. And may God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his Holy Word, you may be seated, please. The long northern sunset in time lapse. A couple weeks ago, I was asking John Simons, who was here, about the weather and seasons where they live in Columbia, South America. And he was telling me that where they live, being near the equator... Their city is about 400 miles due north of the equator the crow flies. There's very little variance in the seasons. The weather is almost always about the same. The length of daylight is nearly the same all year long, exactly on the equator. Twelve hours of daylight, twelve hours of dark, more or less 365 days a year. But, of course, toward the Poles, things go to the opposite extreme. The northernmost city in the world is Longyearbyen, which is the largest settlement in Svalbard, an island that belongs to Norway. It's located between Norway and the North Pole. And from mid-April to mid-August, the sun does not set there. Of course, from late October to mid-April, the sun does not rise there either. So the first sunset of the year, at the close of a four-month day, takes weeks. It's a long sunset. And you could imagine watching a video of the sun setting at Longyearbyen, Svalbard, Norway, in time lapse. In a couple of minutes, you could watch weeks of movement of the sun down to the horizon until it finally for the first time in months, disappears from sight. 2 Kings chapter 15 is like that. The sun is setting on the north. Not the North Pole, but the northern kingdom of Israel. And the sun is setting in the sense that the nation is fixing to fall. It's declining to its ultimate collapse. But nations generally don't fall in an instant. Israel didn't fall in an instant. This passage covers five northern kings over a period of of over 20 years. And this chapter is bookended by, by two southern kings from Judah. But this passage with its rapid succession of kings in history is like watching the decline and fall of Israel in time lapse. And the central theme of this passage is that when everything is collapsing, the word of the Lord is still true. And in this passage, there are four clear indicators that God's word is still true even though the sun is going down on the northern kingdom of Israel. So now let's look at the sunset on the northern kingdom. First in this passage, we see the end of Jehu's dynasty. The end of Jehu's dynasty. Look at verse 8. In the 38th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam, reigned over Israel in Samaria six months, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his fathers had done. He did not depart from the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel to sin. Then Shalem, the son of Jabesh, conspired against him and struck and killed him in front of the people and he reigned in his place. Now, Zechariah is the king of the north. He was evil, we read. He was ultimately assassinated in a conspiracy and then the conspirator, Shalem, takes over. From a civic point of view... These were very unstable times to say the very least. But look at verse 12. This was the word of the Lord which He spoke to Jehu saying, Your sons shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. And so it was. And You remember Jehu. And if not... Let's refresh our memories. The Lord had raised up Jehu to put an end to the wicked and evil house of Ahab and Jezebel. And He did. And the Lord had promised Jehu that His sons would rule Israel to the fourth generation. Zechariah here... In 2 Kings 15, he's the final generation, the fourth and final generation. So he is assassinated and his rival, not from the family of Jehu, takes the throne. The conspiracy and assassination of Zechariah fulfills the word The Lord had spoken to Jehu years before. Look at the end of verse 12. And so it was. What God said happened. We ought never to worry that tragic events, unjust events, even what seems to be the triumph of evil in the nation or the nations of the world, the culture, or even the church in any way means that the Lord has lost control. That's why the Lord told us we would have trouble in the world, that evil men would go from bad to worse, and wolves in sheep's clothing would creep into the church. He told us that not to get us down And depressed, but so that when we see it happening, we won't panic. Things are coming to pass exactly according to plan. The chaotic circumstances surrounding the fall of Zechariah and Jehu's house prove that the Lord is in control and His Word is still true we see the end of Jehu's dynasty. Secondly, in this passage, we see internal collapse. Internal collapse. Look at verse 13. Shalom, the son of Jabesh, became king in the 39th year of Uzziah, king of Judah, and he reigned a full month in Samaria. Now this this king, Shalom, who killed off Zechariah, he only lasts a month. And then he's overthrown by Menahem. In this passage, four out of five of the northern kingdom, kings listed are assassinated. And their assassins take over. Look at verse 16. Then from Tirzah, Menahem attacked Tifsa, all who were there and its territory, because they did not surrender Therefore he attacked it. All the women there who were with child were ripped open. The awful and barbaric as this was, it was in fact the fulfillment of the curses the Lord promised he would bring on his people if they forgot him. Deuteronomy 28 way back under Moses. The Lord warned that if Israel forgot him, Deuteronomy 28, 18, the Lord said, Cursed shall be the fruit of your body. If you forget me. The Lord had also sent a warning through the prophet Hosea. Hosea 13, 16. Listen to the word of the Lord. Samaria, that's the northern kingdom, is held guilty. For she has rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword. Their infants shall be dashed in pieces and their women with child ripped open. And now this is coming to pass not from some bar, some, some foreign pagan invader but from within Israel. The internal... Collapse of the nation confirms the truth of God's Word. We see the end of Jehu's dynasty. We see internal collapse. Thirdly, in this passage, we see external attacks. External attacks. Look at verse 19. Pull, king of Assyria, came against the land, and Menahem gave Pull a thousand talents of silver that his hand might be with him, to strengthen the kingdom under his control. And Menahem exacted the money from Israel, from all the very wealthy, from each man 50 shekels of silver to give to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria turned back and did not stay there in the land. Now skip to verse 29. In the days of Pekah, king of Israel, Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came and took Ijon, Abel, Beth, Makkah, Genoa, Kedesh, Hazor, Gilead and Galilee, all the land of Naphtali. And he carried them captive to Assyria. Listen to these words the Lord had said through Moses in Deuteronomy 28. Just listen. "...because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. And He will put a yoke of iron on your neck until He has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar." From the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose language you will not understand, a nation of fierce countenance, which does not respect the elderly, no nor show favor to the young. And they shall eat the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land until you are destroyed. They shall not leave you grain or new wine or oil or the increase of your cattle or the offspring of your flocks until they have destroyed you. The Lord said He would do this to His people if they forgot Him. He would raise up another nation and that nation would... would would take their money, would take their flocks and their herds, and ultimately would take them. And now it's happening before their very eyes. You see how it gets progressively worse. First, the Assyrians attack Israel. So, Menahem, the king at the time, he raises a huge tax from the Israelites to pay off the Assyrian king. Then they leave. They take the money and leave. Then, two kings later, under Pekah, Assyria attacks again. And this time, they carry captives away back to Assyria. We see how its defeat and downfall. But it's happening just as the Lord had said it would. Again, these horrific events prove the Lord's Word is true. We see the end of Jehu's dynasty, internal collapse, external attacks, and fourthly and finally in this passage, we see persistent Idolatry. Persistent idolatry. Look at verse nine. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his fathers had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. Now look at verse 18. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart all his days from the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. Now look at verse 24. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. And verse 28. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. It's a broken record. And we've seen it before this chapter but it keeps coming up again and again and again. Why does the Bible keep repeating this same verse verbatim? Because it happened. But at the deepest level, this is why the nation was collapsing. At the very beginning... When the kingdom split, Jeroboam, who led the northern kingdom out, he set up idols at Bethel and Dan. He did it for political reasons. So the people would have places to worship up north and would lose all sense of allegiance to Jerusalem. And king after king... Year after year, the idolatry on which the nation was founded persists. The nation is persistent in its sin of idolatry. But we know what the Lord said in the second commandment. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. They say... That insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. They kept committing idolatry. And things kept getting worse from one generation to the next. Just like the Word of God. The plain Old Second Commandment said it would. But they wouldn't turn around. It can be frightening to think that the Lord brings disaster on people and nations. And false prophets and counterfeit preachers have been saying that God would never hurt a fly from time immemorial. It can be frightening, unpalatable to many, but there's also hope in it. You know, if the disaster is just a random occurrence, there cannot be any hope in it. If the Lord is not in absolute authority over everything, including the calamity, we are hopeless. But we have the opportunity to learn what the Israelites failed to learn. There's still time to turn. We cannot persist in sin and idolatry and expect anything but judgment and hell. I would never be sin free prior to glory. But it's one thing to sin. It's another thing altogether to pursue sin with passionate consistency like Israel did. God is not mocked. What a man, sows, that shall he also reap. Israel, in persisting in idolatry, year after year, king after king, generation after generation, sowed the wind. And they're fixing to reap the whirlwind. And in His mercy, the Lord lets them hear the wind coming from a distance. But still, they will not turn. God is faithful to His Word. That's why He sent His Son into the world. To bear the judgment and curses and hell we deserve so we would be given the grace to turn away from sin and turn back to the Lord. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The Lord makes that offer. It's a free and sincere offer. He extends that invitation to turn back and know His mercy and pardon. Because Jesus took all the punishment, all the curse on Himself. We come to this table now because Jesus took the cup of wrath and judgment on Himself so He could give us the cup of blessing. And so now we take the cup of blessing and call upon the name of our God. as we prepare to come to this table, we'll sing together. That very psalm, it's in the green book, page 242, number 242. The psalm they sang, Jesus and His disciples that night, from Psalm 116. It's number 242 in the green book. Let's stand and sing together, I love the Lord. The first two verses.